Welcome to On the Battlefield with me, Father Joseph Collins, and my dear friend, Father Michael Marcantoni, where we are sharing the Christian message of hope and endurance amidst life's suffering and upheaval. Father Michael, why don't you tell everyone where they can find us on social media and online? Yes, thank you all so much. Uh, Father, it's great to be here with you again, and I want to thank everyone for tuning in. Of course, we are here on Anchor FM uh, on the battlefield, and that also pushes us out to Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, Are we on iTunes? I think we're on iTunes, we're on Google, we're all okay, over the so place. I, yeah, so iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, and you can find us on social media if you go to Facebook or Instagram and search for On the Battlefield Podcast. We do share out the podcast episodes over the Facebook page. And the, some of our people have been kind enough to ask questions and have a dialogue there, and that has been very interesting and very edifying. So do check us out, uh, Anchor FM, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, and Facebook, and Instagram. And if you like what you hear here, uh, please share it out. And let's get this message out to as many as who will have it. And if you have any questions, send them in. We'd, uh, we'd love to hear from you. Here, here. Um, new year, turning over a new leaf. So we are talking today about goals. Um, battlefield analogy. If we are an army and we have a war standing in front of us, what is the goal of our fighting? Is it to win? Is it to have a, have a neutral turnout? Is it to lose? Uh, and that goal that we set, which is hopefully to win and to win big, informs all of the decisions and the planning that we make after setting that initial goal. So that's what we're going to talk about. Let's let's open it up, Father Michael, between you and myself and talk about having a goal, setting a goal, and the importance of goal setting. All right. So, I mean, just to piggyback off your initial uh, analogy of an army marching out for battle, and that's actually, you know, it's actually a scriptural analogy because Jesus, when speaking about this very thing, says, when a king sets out to do war, first he sends envoys to find out if he has enough troops to conquer the other kingdom, to, to conquer the other side. So he sends he sends envoys to do a threat assessment and to find out if they can be successful and victorious. And if not, he asks for terms of peace. So even Jesus is talking about you have to assess before you move forward. But one thing that I think is good to clarify the nuance, I, I think when we talk about goals with our people, it can seem very amorphous. And that's part of the real reason why why we have to be specific. And when we say like, you know, a general or a nation or whoever sets out to win a battle, um, winning isn't really the goal. And that's that may sound strange, but winning really isn't the goal. It is the most direct means to the final end. The you don't just go. Very few cultures. It's not to say that it's never happened, but very few cultures around the world actually wage war just for the sake of waging war. There's some reason. Either you're trying to appropriate resources, or you're trying to put down a rival government in order to. Uh, in order to s- sort of smash the competition and be the biggest uh, power on the block, which of course will open up more resources and prestige. You can control trade routes. Um, in some cases, and we saw this especially in, in the U.S.'s intervention during the 80s, you're, try- you're undertaking battle in order to force governments uh, into play that will be favorable to your preferences uh, sometimes wars are wars of defense and you're trying to keep an invading force out. So the reality is winning isn't really the goal. Winning is the most direct means to achieving that goal. The goal is going to be what? Well, uh, maybe you want their resources. Maybe you want their land. Maybe you're trying to expand your empire. Maybe you're trying to keep them out of your empire. Um, that's really the goal. So that's where we have to get very specific about what we're trying to do. Um, so to translate that down into parish language, it's not enough to say we want our kids to know the faith. I'm going to say, no, no, I want them to know what 
well, let's, we're doing the children's choir. So I want them to know how to sing the hymns in the languages that they need to know how to sing them in, uh, for instance. So we've got to have a, a much clearer and more specific picture. Um, and that uncomplicates things a great deal. Would you say that that's been your experience when trying to plan? Like when you look at plans of your own that have gone successfully versus gone awry, uh, does specificity like that play in for you or is that just me? The specificity is absolutely important. Uh, good question. Um, so, but to have that specificity, there has to be an idea, a need, a want, an implied something that needs to move from the intellectual sphere into the physical sphere, right? So if I'm a king and I'm sending an envoy, I realize that that other, as a group, we realize that that other group is infringing on us, that they have something that we need. They may have water, they may have resources that we need. And I need to go assess in my idea as to whether or not I can get what I need from them peacefully or with struggle. But either way, I need them to either leave me alone or to have what they have. And we need to take that from the intellectual sphere and then put it in to a planning phase and then set out to accomplish the goal in the physical world, either through war or through peace. And I, I mean, I think you've seen that in your own life too, right? I mean, we've got financial goals, we have ecclesiastical goals, but what are those goals trying to achieve? It, we have an idea in the intellectual sphere that we think will get us to where we want to go. We create a planning phase and then we create a goal and the goal just creates a tangible an attainable means to reach that end that we have in mind. So well, I think that we're on the same page there. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you know, and once again, I mean, you look at someone like, for example, Alexander the Great was famous for uh, expanding his army as he went and conquered. You know, he, his, his ultimate goal, his end game was to be the greatest conqueror that history had ever seen to expand his empire as far as it would go. So he would, th there would always be the option for the elite forces of whoever he conquered to join him. And, and Rome had a very similar tactic. Um, there was one group of very elite warriors in Thebes in Egypt. And when they refused to join him and he, he was forced to slaughter all of them, it says afterwards he wept because they were that good. Um, you know, he, he, he did not want to kill them. He wanted them on his side, but by making those terms, when he's already secured the victory, it means that he can control the terms. It means that he can control what we're doing going forward. Um, as far as myself though, I mean, like, you know, like just to move it out of this sort of real theoretical realm, because I mean, like you mentioned, even like financial, like, well, I mean, like, what are you saving money for? Well, uh, I mean, even then. Like say that you, you decide your family needs to save. Well, it's like, all right, well, what we're doing right now is putting together a six-month emergency fund or a three-month emergency fund or whatever, or we're putting it away to make a lump sum payment towards credit cards or the car or whatever. But it's really specific. If you just say, we're going to stick spare dollars in a jar and see how far it goes, it, it doesn't go very far. No, um, because it doesn't have a plan. Yeah, there's no plan. And if there's no plan then there's nothing to, there's no real incentive to not pillage from it. You know, like if you didn't throw a dollar in today or you took one out tomorrow, it doesn't set anything back because it doesn't have a purpose. Um, but if you know that this is so the kids can spend summer with grandma, then it hurts to take away from that. Yeah. You're not going to be Attila the Hun with your own savings account if it has a real purpose and a real motivation behind it. Unless, of course, you're going to Baltimore. And the, the, the joke there is, of course, that in Baltimore, uh, they, they call everybody Hun. They say, hey, Hun. Hun. And oh, I didn't be, get the joke. Oh, the yes, because you've never been to Baltimore. I've anyway. been to Baltimore. I'm just not as funny as you, I guess. I, I, that was not funny. There was nothing funny about that. Anyway. Okay, Hun. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, uh, as it were though, right? Uh, as it were, this is one of those things. So we come into church and this is what I really want to talk about on this. Let's see how far we can take this. Uh, we come into church 
And one of the worst things I think I see, I've done myself, so let's be honest, and I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus. I've done it myself. I've seen my brother priest do it, and I see parishes do it all the time on their website. Our mission, what we what we believe and we say, well, what we're here to achieve, we keep it so amorphous and vague. And I think our rationale is that that'll keep the umbrella pretty big and we can get as many people under it. So it's, it's, I believe it's coming from a good place. Um, but you know, it's like, well, we want to hand on the Orthodox faith. Well, okay. What's the benchmark for that? What's the benchmark for being an Orthodox Christian? Like besides just obviously, you know, enter sacramental entry into the church, right? You've been initiated, you've been baptized, you've been chrismated. Um, and you celebrate Pascha. That's like the that's the bare minimum that the canons put out. But no one would say that someone who's only doing just that bare minimum is a stellar representative of the fullness that orthodoxy teaches. So what does it look like? Well, Jesus actually sets a goal in the scriptures. And what's very interesting is he doesn't say, follow me so that you can just get to heaven one day. And he doesn't say, uh, I mean, like, and when I say that, I'm not saying he doesn't, uh, I'm not communicating that Jesus is flippant about our eternal salvation, far from it. What I am saying is he doesn't reduce it to just, hey, do this thing, and then you go to the good place versus the bad place. He doesn't reduce it to that because he loves us and he wants more for for uh for us than that and he doesn't reduce it to the father's really angry and i'm going to keep it i'm off your back or uh and he doesn't reduce it to materialism and say if you follow me you're going to get good stuff rather he says be you perfect as your heavenly father is perfect and he and then he goes on if your hand causes you to sin cut it off your eye causes you to sin pluck it out i.e. that is your goal, union with the most holy trinity, to share, as St. Peter will put it in his second epistle, in the divine nature itself. To St. Peter says it, do you not know that you are to be partakers of the divine nature? That is Second Peter in the New Testament. And Jesus calls that perfection. He doesn't say be mediocre. He doesn't even say be good or be nice. He says be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And that word delios, perfect in Greek, means whole, complete, mature, lacking in nothing. So if we're not living that sort of whole, complete, mature, not lacking spiritually Christian life, uh, then we're missing something. Something has gone awry. And chances are we have started to pursue some of these secondary means as ends. So like we might look at something that's good, like fasting is good. Uh, keeping a prayer rule is good. Going to the church, church services is good. But St. Theophan the Recluse at the very beginning of Unseen Warfare says, these things do not in and of themselves constitute Christian perfection. They are simply the means to that end. So real effective goal setting means you got to know what your end game is, like know exactly what it is. And Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That's the end game. That's where we're shooting. And you're not going to get it done in this life. It's going to take from here into eternity. But that's where we're headed. So knowing that, then we set off. So uh, how do you, Father, how would you manageably begin setting goals towards that end, knowing that that's the lofty place we're going? We're not going somewhere in between. We're not just being okay. We're shooting for that. So how do you even begin goal setting for something that big? Goal setting for that is first and foremost, receiving from the people who have mentored and discipled me throughout my life, understanding from them, from the scriptures, from the church, from my own experience, what the goal of life is. So there's a discernment process. And hopefully someone in your life has helped you to discern what you just said, that God and union with him is the chief and final end of man. And we do that through worship and participating in his saving acts, like uh, Father Damick uh, said with us. But 
you have to have the goal. You have to see the goal and not confuse the, the goal for the means to the end, but understand it as the chief end of everything that we do. Right. If you look up the word goal in a dictionary, you're going to see something that reads about like this, the end toward which effort is directed. Like St. Theophon said, the fasting, the everything is not the end, but they are means to the end. They are the actions that we take to make our, to sanctify ourselves and bring ourselves into closer union with the most high God. So first, to answer your question, know the goal. Second, direct my efforts and all of my actions toward that goal. If you want to bring it outside of the theological realm, I've got a goal to be able to retire early. I don't want to have to work until I'm 70. I want to have enough money in the bank and in my savings accounts and in my retirement accounts to be able to do it early so I can enjoy, if God should give them, the last days of my life. Now, all of my efforts in the financial realm are geared and focused toward that reality. If I have a goal to start a business, what sort of business? It has to be, we have to know what it is in particular that we are striving for. So then we can actually, with a singularity of mind, focus our mind, soul, and body toward that one end. There can't be two goals. They will, they will inevitably conflict. There has to be one goal toward which all of my efforts are directed focusedly. Would you agree? Absolutely. So, so what we see, right, when we see when we look at the scriptures, and, and that's, I, I want to bring, I want to bring it back to that because I, I don't like the, I, I don't like reductionism. We, we know that. Um, and I, while I enjoy heady, while I enjoy heady philosophical and theological thought, I'm, I, I, I try to be immensely pragmatic and, and those are strange bedfellows, you know, because, uh, heady speculative thought is fun, but it's not always practical. And it's very easy when you're trying to be practical, like one of the simplest ways to do that is to be a reductionist and just say, okay, well, I mean, like there's plenty of people I, I back in when I was up North, uh, I knew plenty of people who in their not orthodox, heterodox Christian convictions were very sincere and they took Jesus's social mandates so seriously that they reduced the gospel to just that. So, and lost it, the gospel in so doing. Right, right. Because, it, because it's not, it, reductionism doesn't work. You know, it's, it's, blessed are you, Lord, teach me your statutes. Not, Give me some great statutes and I'll pick and choose which ones I like. You know, the, 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 the idea of the righteous and the unrighteous is the righteous man in scripture is the one who, in, who keeps all of the statutes or endeavors to do so. And, in, and when failing to do so, repents and is honest about that. And that also is righteous. But reductionism doesn't do that. Reductionism says this piece here is important and we're going to do just that. Um, so it's like the, the cheap diner owner who trying to cut corners gives you watered down orange juice. You don't want that orange juice. Yeah. You want the, you want the good stuff. You want, you want the orange juice that is fresh squeezed with all of its glory, all of its tastiness, all of its sour and sweet notes. You don't want the orange juice that mostly tastes like tap water. Yeah. Or you could say like, I mean, in the realm of like, you know, say combat sports, you know, to say that your team, let's say you've got a competition team and they've developed a really great striking game. So you just, you refuse to work on grappling. You're not going to do throws. You're not going to do takedowns. You're not going to do a ground game. They might have great striking, but in MMA, they're not going to do well. Why? You know, because you've reduced, uh, you've reduced a more complex sport to a part of the whole and you've focused entirely on that part and to doing so on exclusion to the other robs the whole thing. That's really, and that's, that's what, that's how heresy works. For example, um, you know, the, when you're looking at all the famous heresies, uh, Arianism, 
overemphasized the humanity of Christ to the exclusion of his divinity. Docetism did the opposite. It overemphasized the divinity to the exclusion of the humanity, uh, so forth and so on. But so when we're looking at, so when we're looking at the gospel, uh, so I like to, so that's why I like to bring these things back into the scriptures and say, okay, we're getting deep. We're getting theological. Let's look at application, but let's not do it in an overly simplistic way where suddenly we're just falling into, you know, therapeutic, moral therapeutic deism where we just need to be nice people or where we're just doing self-improvement and self-help and then we're just psychologizing. Uh, and, and when you find yourself doing these things, understand what makes it so dangerous is that it carries a kernel of truth. It, it, it's because it's part of the truth. It carries a kernel of truth. It just tries to take that kernel too far. So what do we see when we, what do we see when we're, when we're looking at the gospel? Christ gives three excellent examples of really solid goal setting and execution. And it is he who says that they are like the kingdom of God. He gives three back-to-back allegories. And he says, the kingdom of God is like, and when we're talking Christian perfection, partaking in the divine nature, theosis, kingdom of God, all of that is synonymous. All of that is speaking of the same thing. So, and, and that's consistent throughout scripture and consistent throughout the father. So, when so G, so Jesus gives these three examples and he says the kingdom of God is like a woman who has lost a very valuable pearl and uh, and and then sets all her jewelry aside and looks for it and searches for it uh, and then rejoices greatly and calls her friends when she finds it uh, and then he says the kingdom of God is like a man who finds a treasure hidden in a field covers it back up then purchases the whole field in order to obtain it uh, and then he says finally he's like the kingdom of heaven is like a fisherman who drags his nets across the bottom and pulling up the fish then separates the good from the bad fish and throws the bad back. Well, in each of these cases, you've got a very, very clearly defined goal. You know, just like winning the battle on the battlefield isn't really the goal. It's just the means to achieving the goal that we talked about right at the beginning, like just trying to expand your borders, expand your reach to more resources. Well, the guy who found the treasure in the field he buys the whole field. Buying the field, gain, you know, gaining a real estate purchase was not his goal. He wants that treasure and he wants it legitimately. He has other means, right? He could steal it. I mean, if he, if he found it and then covered it back up, it sure seems to imply that no one else knows it's there. He could just steal it. Um, he could just ask whoever owns the land if he could have it. They might say no. Instead, he goes and he purchases the whole thing. The woman who's searching, she knows exactly what she's looking for. She knows it must be here in the house. It's so important that now we're going to spend resources to celebrate with my friends. And and the fisherman, uh, I mean, he knows what he's doing. And he's got enough experience and knowledge to tell the good fish from the bad when he pulls them up. Imagine, I mean, think about that. Think about just like how much wet towels weigh. Like if you carried a bag of wet towels versus a bag of dry towels to the laundry room, the wet towels weigh a lot more. So if you're going to pull up a net full of a couple hundred pounds of fish and get it onto the boat, you don't want to suddenly realize when you got 200 pounds of fish on the boat that you don't know which are the ones you want. You got to know exactly what you're looking for and you got to know exactly what you're throwing back. Um, you, you know, that's the wrong time to be like, I can't tell the good from the bad. No, you... You better know before you leave the dock. Um, otherwise, you got problems. You got problems while you're out at sea, and you got problems when you come home with the wrong fish. And our, you know, and our man who bought the field, the fact that he even had that option at hand meant he was prepared. He had looked and said, "I am searching. I have, I have done my, I have done due diligence on having my resources ready. Now, here's something I need to action." Um, so knowing exactly what you're setting out to do also goes hand in hand with prepping yourself with the resources, whether that resource is financial, whether that resource is knowledge and discernment, like with the fish to execute and say, we are on track. We are on goal. 
because guess what? You know, if that guy scraping the bottom, if he's trying to, uh, if he's trying to fish for, I mean, they wouldn't have cut, they wouldn't have cut tuna in, uh, in the Lake of Galilee, but I don't know what they do catch there. So we're just going to use tuna and cod. And I, by the way, I want our listeners to know, I'm aware that there's probably no tuna and cod in first century Palestine in the Sea of Galilee. But that aside, uh, so I, but that, but that's the thing, right? That's the thing. Like if you're, if, if you know that there's both cod and tuna in this body of water and you pull up 200 pounds of fish, you better be able to tell the difference between cod and tuna because bringing back, if you want tuna and you bring back a bunch of cod, that's wasted time, effort, and resources. And, and it's lost money because if, if your target tuna had been in that space, you'd be getting paid more. So, um, you've absolutely got to be prepared. You've absolutely got to know what you're doing and you've absolutely got to have a very clearly defined goal. Uh, and that's, that's the way reaching the kingdom of God works. Um, and when we take St. Theophan, we take St. Theophan's advice farther, we see that he looks at that and says, well, how do you know which thing to war against? Well, war against first, whatever it is you're dealing with right now. So, his advice is pretty practical. Start with what's in front of you. Your thoughts, man. I'm, I'm thinking first about what you were saying about Jesus and the kingdom of heaven and those three parables. The, the kingdom of heaven is God's goal to take his church. That's a, I, when you were talking about that, I was reminded of, of, of Christ being in the world and him being the one turning up side down the entire universe to take the pearl which is his church for his own that that was the reason and the goal for christ the god man to come into the world to buy the to buy the field legitimately with his own body and blood that we have to have a similar singularity of mind and that when we know the goal that fighting the battles that are in front of us become a whole lot easier because the discernment process is narrowed. The decisions that I have to make on how to get to the goal are, are, are trimmed down enough that they become manageable. One of the hugest energy drains on the human brain is decision-making. When I can, I think about what I'm going to have for dinner, lunch, and breakfast tomorrow, today, so that I don't have to, at the end, and at the end of the day, so that when my decision-making power is already gone, I can just use that minimal decision-making power at the end of the day so that tomorrow when I need to be fresh and be able to make clear discernments on what needs to be done, I've got that mental energy. I know that's an aside, but I think it's useful for when we're, we're setting goals is that we need to be fresh. We need to do our goal setting and our discernment process when our mind and our faculties are at their height. We need to do it with other people involved. As we mentioned before, with our spiritual father, with our mentor, with our friends. So it's kind of a disjointed response to your question, but I certainly hope that it suffices. So, uh, yeah, and it's not so much that it was disjointed. I think it was good. I, one of the things that I, one of the things that I try to really ingrain in my people is I, a respect and understanding for the fact that you can't do everything. We were sold a really big lie as kids that like, you can be anything. You can't. I mean, it's true to a point, right? Like, you could be anything, but you can't be anything because in order to be anything, you've got to make choices, which means every time you make a choice, something else is canceled out. Like I went to the seminary to learn how to become a priest. It means I didn't go to medical school to learn how to become a doctor or, um, you know, I made the choice to. Uh, when my enlistment ended, I made the choice to to exit, right? I didn't re-enlist. Um, so my time as a soldier came to an end and my time as a civilian began. It was, you, you can do, you can only do so many things at once. So in making those choices, certain things will be canceled out. Certain opportunities will disappear. And that is the only way to actually achieve anything. 
Because if you leave anything in that magical, pure potential of dreams, I mean, it feels great for a little bit till you realize you, you don't ever accomplish anything. And in order to accomplish things, you've got to, you got to know where we headed. And then you got to start cutting things out. Um, the same way Jesus says, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Why? What, what does sin have to do? It breaks that relationship with uh, God the Father. And that perfection you're aiming towards. Okay, so no matter what it is, you get rid of it. So what what needs to go? What needs to stay? Uh, and and that's it, it's a real basic thing. But the first thing is like, uh, and some people, I'm telling you, some people are befuddled at just the very first question. What do you want to accomplish? Who are you trying to be in this? Who are you trying to be as a Christian, as a man, as a father? Um, and the smaller you break it down, the easier, the better. Um, and then what happens is you get a whole lot of very important, very personal micro goals that work towards the end game. Um, so that's the difference in battlefield analogy. That's the difference between winning the battle and winning the war. Because you can lose some battles and still win the war, but you can't. And you can lose, and you can win a bunch of battles and still lose the war. But you can't lose the war and still obtain your objectives. Uh, and in order to get there, as history has played out, in order to get there, every commander knows you know you might have to take some losses along the way that you didn't want to take, uh, that you didn't plan on taking, but that suddenly have become necessary, and. and and, and that's that's something we have to come to terms with. I mean, you know, what do you do? Like, I, I one thing we see in parishes all the time, it's like you'll see someone who, for like a variety of reasons, this is really common, variety of reasons, um, their marriage falls apart, right? Well, I and 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 the spouse is gone. Like they're gone. Reconciliation is out the window. They've gotten the, they've gotten the lawyer. The papers are drawn up. The hearings on Monday, barring a miracle it's done, or maybe it was done like three years ago. It's done. Well, okay. That battle went that way. That's not what you wanted. Uh, that's not what you were counting on, but that's the way it went. You still got to win the war. You still got to in the temporal Keep your finances together. Keep your career on track. Provide a good example for your kids if you have them. Maintain your connection to your parish and your church. And the same life of repentance and call to holiness applies to you. So that same vocation of Jesus, be you perfect as your heavenly father is perfect, that's still on you. So it's like, well, my marriage sure wasn't perfect. Yeah, but you can be. My marriage wasn't complete. Well, but you can be. Um, you know, right. Like that's a, it's a big thing. So then you got to go, okay, well, I didn't, that battle did not go my way, but the war is not done. Um, and I, I just think a lot of people's planning, I think where a lot of people fail to plan well is they confuse, which is which, and they confuse the, the end game, the, the, the end game with the short term. The battle with the war. I think that's. I think that's where people get into a lot of trouble. I agree. Um, I, I would. I would have said it differently. This is how I would have said it. I, I allow the objectives that I have that are going to get me to my goal. I get confused with the objective. I confuse the objective with the goal. Right. So I might set. I and by objective, I mean a short-term goal that is going to help me measurably get to my long-term goal. Right. So let's say my short term goal in the spiritual life to attain perfection and to attain unto my God is to improve my prayer rule from really horrible today to a measurable. I'm praying a, a very simple prayer in the morning. I'm reading a psalm at lunchtime and I'm praying again for a few minutes in the evening. This is my three month goal is to create that habit in my life so that the, my relationship with the Lord is measurably better three months from now than it is today. But that is an objective. That is not the goal in and of itself. It's not the end goal, right? It's not the end game, 
Um, but we're both saying the same thing in a different way, but the, it's an important distinction to make because we have to have a process. Go goal setting and living out according to a goal implies that we have a process in place. And that process is not my feelings. I don't get to wake up this morning and say, well, I don't really feel like praying. No, no, you, you be quiet, inner voice, that, that is wrong. I have a process in place to get me to the end, which is in the Christian life, God himself, the communion with him. So what is my process for, for getting from here to there? First, first step in the process, we've already said it before, hopefully it's not repetitive, but we want, I really want people to understand it, is that I need to sit down and take some time and think through how it is that I, in my day-to-day, -day, am going to get from where I am today in measurable, discernible ways with the help of others toward the goal which we've already set out in the, this podcast, which is God himself. How do you? How would you approach it, Father Michael? With process, you got to look at like what what feeds or detracts. I like I the reason I said earlier about the fact that once you start making certain decisions, it cancels other things, is because your time and your resource, your time and your energy works that way. Like you've got a finite amount of time, finite amount of hours in the day. So like, what if I? go down this road, that road or the other road, which one is going to lead me with, lead me at the end of it with uh, either on track or with like a deficit. Like I, I I'm exhausted. Like I've say you're going to pray, you know, and you put it off and it's like, well, now I'm too tired to really pay attention, you know? So which plan, which plan really, which plan really, which plans can we take throughout the day that, give a, that, that put a, the sort of stack the deck in our favor. That's clumsy, but that put the stack the deck in our favor. What I was thinking about as you were talking was, um, the way that God unconfuses our various processes and plans. A lot of our misgivings and a lot of our kind of theodicy where we say, why God this, why God that, why did I, why did I lose my job or why did my house burn down? Or, you know, how could you, um, how could you allow this thing to happen in my life? And from God's perspective, like it was never about any of those things. Like we become so myopic that we think, oh, my life is over. I lost that job or my life is over. I lost my dream house or you know, my life is over. My city's in shambles. Well, it was never about your neighborhood or your job or your house. It's about you being with him for eternity and and being uh and and being linked up with that like that's the idea i mean in so far as in so far as what you're doing is lines up with that ultimate objective you know it's good and you know granted god has vocations on our life and he says you know for you one path is better than another like I don't, I, I don't need to be an engineer. I'm terrible at math, right? Like for you, this is a debt for me. This is definitely a better path, the priesthood. But the reality is insofar as it gets me united with him forever because he loves me and I love him, well, then it's good. And we just can't, we, we got to keep that straight. So when we're doing that and we get up and we're like, well, like, let's take, let's take this as, as an example. So let's say that uh, I could get up 10 minutes earlier and get some prayer in before we got to do the morning, getting all the kids ready. But I don't. I don't. And I say it's because I'm tired. And then I get up, uh, make coffee, take the dogs out, get the kids ready for school. And I say, I'll get to prayer when I get to it. Now, let's, let's turn a hard eye towards that 10 minutes. Why didn't I get up? I said it's because I'm tired. But that wasn't an issue when I watched a few extra episodes on Netflix and stayed up, you know, an hour later than I should have. I wasn't thinking about that. And uh, it's not an issue when I've got like, say we've got a, a long trip that we've got to go on and we need to get up at, you know, at four to be on the road by 430. So 
that extra 10 minutes, like where does it come in? So if we take a hard look at that, we might say, well, the reason I'm really not getting up is because I'm kind of mad at God about something. I kind of am worried that he's not hearing me. I kind of feel frustrated with him. And that's why I, I'm kind of I'm kind of down on it and I'm, I'm a little pouty and I'm going to stay in bed just a little while longer because at least I can get my rest. That sort of attitude is really behind a lot of the procrastination in our spiritual lives. So like in just in planning, just in looking at our own resources, like if we're super honest, if we're rigorously honest, our motives are not always what they say what they are, what we say they are. And that's important to know if we're indeed trying to pursue an actual goal. If we're if we're just being mediocre, if we're just trying to float by in life, then maybe we can get away with not doing that. But that's not what Jesus asks of us. That's not where the gospel points. Uh, what it points to is, be you perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Well, then if you're looking at that, and one of the meanings of perfect, delios, is mature, complete. Well, then grow up. Know that you're being resentful and pouty. And then set your alarm differently and get out of bed. I mean, you know, it's it, it's a different attitude. Now, if you're like, man, I've been fighting a flu for the last week and I just, I'm, I'm wrecked. Yeah. Okay. That's a different story. Again, just be rigorously honest. That's, that's a huge step when it comes to uh, planning, not just knowing where we're headed, but being rigorously honest about how we navigate the process there. Because we can, that it, it's not the only reason procrastination is the demon, the, the the monster. I should say that it is because we can make it sound really good. We can make excuse excuses sound really good. They do. That's why they work. That's why they you know they sound right, but we kind of know they're not. So has that has that ever gotten in your way? Is that is that something you've tripped over? Yeah, and most of the time. You know, I don't think that we analyze it enough why it is that I'm not getting out of bed. What What's the struggle? What's the underlying principle that's keeping me from achieving my goal? Is it is it fear? Is it a lack of vulnerability in my spiritual life that I'm being attacked by by the demonic realm and I'm actually just being oppressed and overrun by them and buying into a lie and believing a lie and following through on a lie rather than the truth that that is apparent to me within my soul, but have just gotten lazy and lacked vulnerability in my spiritual and in my confession life. Who knows? I, I don't think most of us are that self-reflective, which is why we need to take the time, have a process and set goals, understand the goal and move toward the goal. Um, I think with these last few minutes that we have together, it'd be a really good idea because I know that some people in the audience may have never set a goal. We may not have budgets for our finances. Uh, I really would like, Father, for you and I to work through uh, your goal setting process or mine or kind of uh, touch on the major aspects of what it looks like to set a goal. Uh, I would submit to you that the first part is self-analyzing. It's sitting down for five to ten minutes, not a huge block of time but a block of time, five, 10 minutes and brainstorm. Think about what we've said to, to be part of God. So in the Christian life, let's just narrow it down to the Christian life. My goal is to participate in God fully. Okay, sit down and brainstorm. How is that going to look in my life when I start to put effort and action into it? What sorts of measurable, meaningful things am I going to do each and every day that aren't too big? Don't bite off too much. But what sorts of things am I going to do every day? They're going to be actionable things that are moving me toward that ultimate end. Uh, tell me, speak, tell me what you do in your life. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's, you know, get, this is, this is the, this is like the part of it that's fun, you know, where you get out there and dream. So, you know, get in your car, go for a run, cranks, crank your favorite music and daydream a little and kind of let your mind go to like, what's your, what's your, what's your ideal? Like if you were, if you were living, you know, your ideal scenario, your ideal movie of your life, what are you looking like? I mean, are you some, are you some wise professor? Are you, 
uh, you know, the, this amazing uh, tech guy, this amazing tech genius? Are you, uh, you know, are, are you strong and confident, like artistic? What, what, what's, where does it go? Like, where does that inspiration go? Or you're going like, this is where the transcendent beauty of God speaks to me. And, and, and just kind of like sit with, like play in that field in your mind a little bit and then look at and say, well, part of that is, is, is rational. You know, I'd say, well, part of it, like this, you know, you might have some of that might be physically, well, you know, physically I'd really dream of, uh, being, you know, being leaner or bulked up. If I imagine, uh, you know, what spiritually, like my best life, what is that looking like? And it's like, well, you know, and, and you can imagine just, you know, the wisest priest or the most prayerful layman or whatever. And someone that people can go to as a rock in their, in their torments and chaos and come to for advice. You're like, I'd really like to be that guy. All right, cool. I mean, now, you know, and like, so in that realm, what do you need to do? Well, it might mean crack some books open might mean, uh, you know, instead of, taking in your morning radio, you're listening to podcasts or, uh, you go back to school or you start running, you know, I mean, like that there, there's, if you know where that good thing is, it's leading you towards Christ, get a picture for it. And then just like, all right, cool. Now we need to action that. So the first step is kind of fun. The first step is kind of fun. It's identifying it because you know, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So you got to dig in that field to find the treasure. Your heart's going to be there. So it's like, what's what's good and accords with Christ that's there? Because I, I I just named a bunch of things, none all of which are morally good. Like you'd be like, man, I I like one of the things I did back in the army. Um, I took a combat lifesaver course, which is it's uh, it's emergency field first aid. Uh, basically, it's like it's like paramedic light for the field, like but it's emergency. It's like Chips are down. The medic can't get to you. Here's some stuff you can do. It's a great course to take if you're enlisted. A uh, great course to take uh, because it's it gives you all kinds of knowledge. Well, like I really enjoyed that. Um, and by the time I was getting out, I knew I wanted to be a priest. But I told my mom, I was like, you know, if I didn't know that I wanted to go to seminary, you could talk to me about being a paramedic. Like that seems really interesting to me. Well, that's a perfectly good decision. That's a perfectly good Christ word decision, as is being a priest, as is being a teacher. That dream phase is important, but then there's the putting the rubber, rubber meets the road. Do I love, is my heart there enough that tomorrow I'm going to wake up and do something different? So let's just break, let's just break this down into that micro step and tell people, spend that time, throw on some chant, throw on some favorite, uh, your favorite songs, get in your car, do some laps. And see what you could get excited to do tomorrow morning that would lead you one step closer to the perfection that Christ is talking about. Just, just that, just that. Let's just start there. And if you find out what that is, get up and do it. Yeah, it, you don't have to. Have, it doesn't have to be perfect. You know where you're headed. You don't need to know all the road, but it has to be consistent. So, figure out where you want to head in one area of your life, identify two things that you'll get up to in the morning and do that will be consistent that you will do going forward and then go do it. And so start there. That's a great place to start because as you head down the road, more things will, uh, will make themselves apparent, but you won't head anywhere if you don't start there. So let's start there. I think that's what we'll leave people with for that. Right on. Um, we do this in my own house, uh, typically on Sunday afternoon after church when everybody's together and we have a little bit of time. We have what we call a family meeting where we talk about our schedules, but we also review the goals that we have set. Um, I mean, there's one goal in life, obviously, which we've talked about in this program, but let's talk about the goal of God being our in a way, the lens through which we see the rest of life. All of our other goals need to align with that. So the, the other goals are merely objectives that are being fulfilled in our life to give glory to God and then to be able to provide and benefit the lives of others. But what we do in, in, our, in our weekly meetings is if we have a new goal that we're trying to set, 
we sit down and we we brainstorm, like you said. And what we say is that a goal is a dream with a deadline. And then we move from there and we, we brainstorm. We put down all these ideas that we have of where we want to be, where we want to go. And then we ask ourselves a very pointed question. And it, and it is, which of these things, which one of these things that I have written down in the past five min- minutes will have the single greatest impact on my life in the next three weeks, three months, three years, and my life? which forces me to evaluate all of those things I wrote down and pick the one thing that's going to have the single greatest effect on my life. And then we take another five minutes and write down actionable, actionable things that are going to move me in that direction. And then once we have a goal, uh, the following week, we, we evaluate how our actions moved us toward that goal. And if my actions failed, no problem, no big deal. They failed. I was wrong. Or maybe that wasn't where I needed to be. So we retool, we realign ourselves with the goal, and we move forward for another week. And then we come back again. And we do this over and over and over again until we reach the goal. It's beautiful. And it works. So if you don't have goals already in your life, start today. Start moving in a direction on purpose. Because if you don't have a purpose or a direction, you're just floating in the wind. You have no direction and you need direction. So do it. Do it today and start the process of goal setting. Father Michael, would you have anything else to add? Nope. That was very well said. I really appreciate it. And uh, that's a great example from your own family life there. I think the more we can, I think a lot of these things can sound heady to people uh, when they're new ideas. It's very important for them to hear from us, like you just like you just did so beautifully, that this is real actionable stuff that you can do at home. You don't have to be uh, a monk sitting up on a mountain or up on uh, you know a pillar and you know in some controlled environment you can be right at home a, a, at your house in your apartment with your kids and work schedules and dogs and all that other messy stuff in life and still make it happen what is impossible for man is possible for god but you do have to put your hand to the plow and move and not look back and that is the road to the kingdom of God. So we've given people a place to start. Thank you for uh, highlighting how eminently practical it is. Uh, And if you don't mind, I'll go ahead and close us with prayer and look forward to seeing everyone in two weeks. Absolutely. Just real quick, make sure that your goal isn't so huge or that you undersell the action plan so much that it becomes impossible to keep. No, start. That's measurable. Start small, um, but do it. Just do it. You said you said steps er, earlier. You said it, and you said it right. You said start small, and I said be consistent. Those two things, small and consistent, wins every time. You're 100 percent correct, my friend. And please pray, Father Michael, and tell us where everyone can find us if they want to hear more great content like this. Okay, great. So, of course, we are on Anchor FM, uh, which shares us out over Spotify and Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Also, you can find us on social media, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Just go to Google, type in On the Battlefield Podcast, and you will uh, locate us in one of those places. Please send us your comments and questions, and let's make this a discussion rather than a monologue. May he who is baptized by John and the Jordan for our salvation, Christ our true God, protect us under the shadow of our wings and guide us into the paths of peace and bring us to, to his holy kingdom for the sake of his mighty name. For you is blessed and sanctifies and we ascribe glory to the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, both now and ever and unto the ages of ages. Amen. Thank you, Father Michael, and everyone be safe and strong and focused on the battlefield until we meet again.